Let's just talk about the state of the world. Oh, dear. <laughs> Hi, Berkey. I thought you said oh. it was going to be a short one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Isn't it coming to an end? <laughs> the, the, well, nice. Uh, somebody <clears throat> said that earlier today, I think. Oh, it was Sean. He was like, yeah, what is the world coming to? And I was like, a logical conclusion. <laughs> right. Nice. Is that yeah. how things, you know? Yeah. Everything's wrapped up. <laughs> uh, it's the third act right and you kind of gotta like what was the conversation yesterday where covid is like cocaine uh it just <laughs> it makes you who you are but just just more just more yeah yeah, yeah. and everybody's doing it at the same time yeah <laughs> so no one can see that yeah. it's like the truth serum <clears throat> yeah man yeah it's pretty fun uh it is kind of i mean it does amplify. So, what what are your like neuroses that it amplifies? Oh, oh. Uh, like a lot of times when I get stressed, I don't want to be around people. People fatigue. People fatigue, mm-hmm. and so it's just like it's feeling people fatigue even when you haven't seen anyone in in days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but is that because you still have access to them via like electronic means? Probably. I mean, you're still, we're still exposed. Like, even if we're not, it's, they're not getting any of it on us. We're still exposed <laughs> to their behavior in some way. <laughs> I, we're not talking about the virus, right? <laughs> I, I, th- I think a huge part of it is essentially that um, the the fatigue that we're feeling is is a sense of, I feel like I should be doing something, but also there's nothing to do. You mean uh, to like help the world solve yeah, its issues? Yeah, it's just like we get we get this messaging that like you know this is a pandemic, this is a problem, this is yeah. everybody's problem. There's nothing you can do about it. Wait, wait, it's a pandemic. Do something by doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. Do your part. Stay home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, do your part. Do nothing. Uh, I mean, like yeah. In, but I I think we should take that non-interventionist approach a little bit further. <laughs> don't do anything ever and just see what happens i think things would be okay i mean you look at it like like we're pretty good at stuff right like humans are pretty good at stuff um but they're not good at intervening in like very complex issues yeah really ever like i know you could say like well yeah but we we heal thing like with the plague happened today we would be fine it wouldn't be the plague um, this is just like a different kind of plague thing. I was going to say, isn't isn't the plague <laughs> happening today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's, you know, it's the different kind of plague that's like really sassing out fatties. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Who, who are the, the main recipients or experiencers of the black death when, oh fuck, we probably can't call it that. Can we? The plague, um, <laughs> The, the death of color? I, I, don't, I don't know. Wasn't the, anyway, like, was it kind of equal opportunity or were there certain people like, oh, you have tuberculosis and now we're just going to add one more thing and you'll be dead? I, I'm not earlier than you I would have. I have no idea. 
I think it's, I mean, in general, it would be like low immunity, that kind of deal. Because your okay. immune system can take care of part of it. Well, it's not like Ebola, right? Well, I, there's some diseases that like your immune system status is like irrelevant, right? Am I, I right th- in I thinking think so? That? I don't know. I know that uh, the Spanish influenza, like the 1918 flu, was really bad because um, your immune system was part of what was killing you. So it's and like so, an autoimmune reaction. Yeah, it was a, they call it a cytokine storm. And mm-hmm. it was um, your immune system overreacting, which is why it was affecting primarily people in the prime of their life and pregnant women. I, th- I think it was pregnant women. Um, isn't that oh, Isn't that the same thing that's happening in the lungs with COVID? It's like that's why it's scarring the lungs? I've, it's because I've, the cytokine heard the, storm? I've heard the cytokine storm brought up. No, they just, they just dismissed the notion that it caused uh, arrhythmias and heart problems. Right. Well... So part of like, there's been so many times where people reference the, the 1918 mm-hmm. flu that part of me is just like, of course you're talking about the cytokine storm because you're talking about that in reference to like what happens to a nation under this. So Are you more woke than me? Are you calling it the 1918 flu as oh, opposed to the Spanish, Spanish influenza flu? just because no. we're not supposed to blame things on countries anymore? <laughs> well, you know about why it's called the Spanish influenza, right? Huh. Because Spain was the only people reporting it because they weren't trying to hide it because of a war effort. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So well, when was the Spanish Revolution? That was after or before? It was before. Don't look at me. It would have to be... Fuck. Now I'm getting along. Because so I'm trying to just imagine... So the Because the revolution happened, it would have to be after mm. because that's when Mussolini would take power. Okay. I think... I'm, I maybe oh here we have a Google machine. <laughs> I you know I've got to put the goggles on because I. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to in my head. I'm trying to put these a couple things together. Thirty six. So what, no, okay. I was like yeah. right. I it was I was thinking I I knew it was between the two world wars, but I didn't like. So it'd be quite a bit after yeah, the, yeah. the Spanish yeah. influenza. Yeah. Then I yeah. mean, do you think just just what? hear me Listen out? Do you think these? world pandemic things start to influence wars that happen and are we gonna be approaching like in in just you know a guess a wild guess you know or is this gonna cause some kind of influence because obviously the pandemic influenced certain countries different in 1918 than it did because it it lasted two years or something i think i'm not positive i think it was two years until they figured out if they like go outside they're okay or something I don't know. Do History does not well, repeat itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. Anyway, I the weird. There was a weird thing in there about the 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 revolution because they are um, well. It was like sponsored by Shell Oil, which is really right. funny for fascism. Shell mm-hmm. Oil was like fascism. It's the next best thing to <laughs> fill up your car on. <laughs> You get great mileage as a fascist. But I, I, so I don't know. I, I don't. I guess I don't know that much about. I, I mean, technically about um, diseases, because I always thought, like, I'm, I was under the impression that they worked a certain way, mm-hmm. and I think that's all kind of gone to shit in the past year about what I thought about immunity and how your system works. Well, I mean, I think it's like anything in the sense that ours was working well enough, and so we didn't ask questions. Mm. Like, 
Yeah, I mean, so now that the there was a there was a really interesting like news alert in the UK over the I think it was two weeks ago that I thought was really funny. I think I screenshot it because I like, oh, this is good. Showering too much is bad for you. I've read that one. Right. So, um, what's the premise? That your skin has a microbiome and that you should not overly wash it because then it can't do its job and protect you against other harmful pathogens. Mm. Oh, crazy. Like, <laughs> so, it, but it says, you know, it, it says stay vigilant on washing your hands, though. Mm-hmm. So, and it has something to do with the oil on your skin, which is funny because I don't, like, I don't use soap on my body mm-hmm. unless I'm, like, actually dirty or, like, mm-hmm. something, you know. There's very few instances that I would use soap. I don't use soap on my hair either. And I think... Um, just having sensitive skin like I had eczema really bad when yeah. I was a kid like patches of it and it was fucking terrible mm-hmm. and it like we tried to over treat it all the time and finally when I quit using like body wash and shit it went away uh-huh. you're like shocker shocker that you would have oh shit special guest <laughs> special guest shit, are we gonna stop it no uh, we can no, just I turn can, it on I think I can, can just activate? turn it on here I'm gonna arm that channel welcome to the po- welcome to the program Thurk. <laughs> <laughs> welcome you heathen <laughs> we're we're talking about the state of the world so obviously it's a positive show <laughs> actually are, we're just talking about those how, headphones live oh yeah can you hear yeah, okay we're good. Yeah, great we're good. oh yeah yeah we're good excellent yeah. so we're just discussing right. how diseases work because you know that's not topical well, oh, we were talking about like the new the new announcement is that you shouldn't shower a lot because actually you you shouldn't wash your skin frequently because it disrupts the microbiome. Yeah. And and that's what is a good defensive mechanism. So we're laughing about like that's funny that for the past year everybody has been like over cleaning everything. And now you're like scientists actually say, you know, it's like raising up in the background, guys, you know that the whole thing where we just like disinfected the world that didn't actually help anybody that whooshing sound well, of the yeah. pendulum coming the other way <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> now nobody's protected from anything <laughs> but just i mean if you just look back and all the kids i mean when i grew up we ate dirt mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. we played in the dirt we you know you're just like get, getting filthy and yep. these days it, it seems and i i don't recall you know i wasn't like a sickly child or anything yeah. you know like it just seemed less frequent than I see young people today who like protect Johnny from yeah helicopter moms yeah which I call lawnmower moms that's that's <laughs> better oh, nice. you mean like riding mower <laughs> yeah <laughs> not like the push mower yeah, yeah like the yeah. propeller okay. to protect gets real fucking close yeah <laughs> and it starts hedging a little bit yeah um, yeah I don't know I, I mean I had, I got that too I mean mm. I got a bowl cut you know nice. every Sunday. I had a yeah, I had the bowl cut for a little bit. Yeah, at home. Yeah, I, I, I was not like overly protected as a child for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I was like overly influenced re- religiously mm-hmm. and other like nutritionally for sure. The nutritionally thing, although I think what they were doing was wrong, it was like towards the right direction, mm-hmm. right? Like they were like eat these like raw vegetables that are a bunch of different colors, and you shouldn't eat very much meat. Um, but we still had meat, but it wasn't like processed. There was like no processed food for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like I think I, I don't think I had, I don't think I had a soda till I was like seventeen. 
and I didn't have a piece of chocolate till I was like nine or something. Carob? Yeah, like they thought chocolate caused eczema, mm. and so they would give me carob, and I was like, "What the? F- I'm not eating this shit. This is terrible. <laughs> carob is a terrible thing. Have you ever had carob? No, I don't think it's so. It's fucking yeah. awful. It's, it's awesome when you add sugar to it. No, <laughs> when you add it's chocolate, <laughs> it's, it tastes like it's like I can't even describe how terrible. I would rather not have it than have it. <laughs> Maybe that was the goal. That was the goal. Here's, yeah. sure. here's yeah, your yeah. treat. Here's, here's Never your, mind. No thanks. <laughs> I don't want to be treated, guys. <laughs> uh, other than that, like I don't like I went and played in the dirt and got fucking filthy, and mm. I don't think I, I don't think I ever had to like wash my hands. I mean, I think <laughs> I, I think I bathed. I think it was like Sunday after the bowl cut. I got a bath. <laughs> it was like once a week or something. Yeah. Right? yeah. But, but yeah. Are, aren't we faulty narrators when it comes to this story? Because I was reading an article about how uh, like parents... <laughs> faulty narrators. Like... Just come in here and fucking drop that shit on us, man. <laughs> well, Listen. it's like you're not exactly the most accurate person to be referencing your your own childhood right so whatever you think was happening you know yeah so as a as a new fine point (laughs) you're not the most accurate person to narrate your own experience don't tell me how i know me (laughs) michael isn't that isn't that everything i didn't drive seven hours to be told i don't know who i am are you sure it was seven hours no, I don't. <laughs> What's real anymore? <laughs> but and as a as a fairly new parent, I think the whole like hands off thing it's a skill. Mm-hmm. You know, it's tough to see your kid like eating rocks. You're like, well, yeah. uh, I have to pay for the fucking <laughs> dental care. Yeah. Look, I'm gonna, <laughs> if you're gonna eat rocks, don't chew. How big an ouchie is good? You know, yeah. it's a, and and that's like it takes oh, some sure. skill. You know, and we're we're learning it. Well, and I think uh, you have. Didn't come with a manual. You, no, no, but she's and it's she's still alive. Yeah, it's been a year and a half. You like, succeeded. <laughs> you succeeded. You're a really good parent. I, I, you know, there is, but I see it like Aaron is way more careful with London than her parents ever were with her. Like she's like, you know, she's twelve, and there's this question of like, should she be able to cross the street? by herself like that that's literally a conversation we have and you think i think things are more dangerous but i'm she's smart she'll figure it out and aaron's like no there's no way somebody will like kidnap her and i'm like i don't think the world is that dangerous but man if i'm wrong i'm in trouble and that's (laughs) and that's the equation that you're stuck with you're like do i do i let her cross the street and she succeeds because if she doesn't and she is kidnapped, it's like, well, that's now my life's over. We need to get another one. We need to replace that kid. There's no in between. There's, there's no in that's between. That's how kids get kidnapped. <laughs> we were talking about this the other day. There, there was an Invisibilia episode that was, um, it was about a woman who I believe her pineal gland was calcified. And Dude, she needs hoppe. She couldn't feel... <laughs> She couldn't feel fear. Okay. And so she had memories. I thought it was al- 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 the album. God, what is the, it? The medulla. Um, uh, yeah. I, n- I, think I it's thought pineal. it was her pineal, but I'm not positive. Yeah. That you can pineal fact check me Your that. third eye is calcified? <laughs> <laughs> but um, that she, she had no biological response of fear. Yeah, yeah. So she understood that like, situations are dangerous. Amygdala, that's what it is. But, but she didn't have heart rate response. She didn't have... Um, like hormonal response to yeah. it. And so she had been in some pretty awful situations because they were told a story like I think she'd gotten mugged multiple times because 
Should no awareness well, of what was about to well, happen. Yeah, because <laughs> someone's like, hey, can you help? And you're like, yeah, probably. And you walk into a dark alley. <laughs> this is a really interesting point, though. Like, the difference between, like, when we say somebody has street smarts, right. are we saying that they can logically identify a bad scenario based off of discrimination of certain factors? Like, mm. ooh, that guy has a bandana on and a baseball bat with nails in it. Ooh, he's next to another guy that's really, like, conspicuous. He has, like, a ski mask on. So there's, like, these and logical giant things. scythe. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, and but he still looks like he's just holding it for the guy with the robe next to him. I just imagine I, any target like that's in like Disneyland, a, a, a gun <laughs> store. There's like I just imagine all the all the characters that are in like a target for 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 like a shooting range yeah. that you'll shoot at. It's like the zombie, and then like you know the 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 token terrorist, mm-hmm. and they're all in an alley, and you're like. You can logically identify them, but I don't Why think... Why does terrorists it's... always have, like, a giant mustache? <laughs> I think those are still from the 70s, okay, those shooting targets. Yeah. <laughs> they just haven't paid to update them. Yeah. Well, it would be racist to do so. Mm. Um, the, here's what... The, like, I don't think it's a, a logical problem-solving thing. I think it's a feeling thing. Well, and I, like you said, if it, there's emotional, hormonal thing that you that gets blocked, you can't feel what danger is, and that's dangerous. Yeah. Well, and so they were saying that the people with this condition, doctors are really protective of. They mm-hmm. don't let them get interviewed very often because they, they don't make good decisions because they're not having, uh, like, <laughs> biological responses. You mean like Roseanne Barr on Twitter? Oh. <laughs> I was just going to say, this sounds like a great person to have in the podcast studio. (laughs) Um, Or just around, like just just chiming in. One of the things we have somebody like that around here (laughs) is um, she she had been in a really abusive marriage and she was physically abused a lot. Oh, shit. Um, But first of all, just imagining how frustrating that must have been for the abuser to like see no fear response to have no fear response. But also like if you're in a physical confrontation of someone who's like, stop that I don't like that, but is not afraid. Cause it's about power dynamics. It's yeah. recognize like fear most of the time probably stops people. Like when they recognize fear in people. Yeah. Or they're like, Oh, you're afraid of me. I'm done now. Yeah. And she just didn't feel fear. Um, <sighs> but the crazier thing was when they were talking to her about all this, she could tell the story and she was, it seemed to be experiencing no trauma about it. And she's like, all this terrible stuff happened, but you're like, yeah, and then that. But because she's not afraid of it happening again. But wait a second, is emotion linked to the body's response to it? Of course it is. Absolutely. But my question being like, is she, so you're saying she's feeling no trauma as she's going mm -hmm. through it. It's like elevated heart rate, sweating, Mm -hmm. things like that. You you think there there can but there's be, no there, but there there's can't no be lasting, one without there's the other. no lasting yeah. trauma. So she was able to talk about this as like oh yeah that happened, mm-hmm. and it I was okay. it was the interviewer was was making a point of it in the sense of like there are people who are highly feel fearful, mm-hmm. um, and you know double like lock all their doors and are <laughs> there's really, an entire generation that is right. highly fearful. <laughs> uh, and and to them a, a minor indiscretion uh, feels traumatic. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I'm sorry. Did I trigger you? What words? You micro triggered me. Yeah. And and it's just like I'm sorry. Let me get you the macro. It's the same thing. It's the same thing as like you can get hit by a car or I can throw a Hot Wheels at you. That's like how I imagine microaggressions. And, and so it's 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 essentially like a deviation. Ow! Yeah. Fuck! Ouch! Yeah. A question mark. Was, what? 
Why? Was that a micro machine? Did you just uh, another one? The fire engine is really rare. <laughs> Don't <laughs> throw that. It's valuable. <laughs> the the entire discussion was was around the idea of like sat like almost that there's a, a set amount of trauma that we're going to experience mm-hmm. uh, internally, and that um, if you are super fearful, you do things in your life to avoid danger, avoid pain. And therefore, the, because you work so hard to avoid it, the smaller indiscretions mm. actually hurt more. Yeah. So and, sort of like we're talking about with immunity. Yeah. And if if you kind of play it a little loose, it's like, yeah, if you never lock the doors of your house, eventually someone's going to break in. But if you're the type of person who never locks the doors, you'll be like, huh, oh, that sucks. I mean... And you just won't be as traumatized as someone who freaks out and just like someone, you know, maybe broke their window... And then they're just like, I've been violated. Yeah, I it's can't like sleep hy- in the hyper house vigilance kind of stuff. Yeah, like hyper vigilance in a way does that make us more, more fragile? Sa- because we did all we did so much to stop this from happening, and it happened anyway. So now I feel extra powerless. So this is like kind of my argument that I've been going on about about sensitivity. Like right. when we say that somebody is sensitive, we're actually mean the opposite. They like it means they don't. They're when you're like super sensitive to something mm-hmm. um you're you're also called an expert in that category right like right like the, the the example i always use is like um if you want to get uh whatever they certify as like a master sushi chef right. in japan you have to be able to feel 72 grains of rice for one piece of nigiri right and so you like you can feel it you don't have to count it you just know and you'll like pick until you think that it's there and if you're really good it's always there right um that's a sensitivity, but it doesn't mean that like the rice hurts them or it offends them if it's wrong. Right. Or, like, so we say like, oh, don't say that. That person's sensitive. And really, when when we're like, you know, in in the like offensive way, right. like if I say something and you get offended, and I think that you're sensitive, that's actually the opposite because sensitivity is about knowing something. It's about understanding what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So you're actually not sensitive at all to the words that are coming out of my mouth. You're 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 unknowing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. I mean, to cross those boundaries is really hard to do. But I think that there's when we call something sensitive, we, there's two different ways we could mean that, right? We need two yeah. words for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's also like the sensitivity of someone who has yet to process what's going on. And therefore, everything anyone else does is about them. So like if you make a joke... Mm-hmm it hurts me because I went through an experience once and your joke is bringing, is making light of my experience. And it's just like, you don't necessarily care about me. Like I was not on your mind when you made that joke. You, and therefore like that but, my, my sensitivity is sensitivity finger quotes is um, me projecting that I'm important enough to you that you thought about everything. I think it. I think it's hard for people to recognize that sometimes they're not the audience. Yes, but that would be a sensitivity, right? Okay, <laughs> recognizing fair. where fair. you're at, <laughs> and, and so uh, with, with the joke thing, I think this is a perfect example of like I go to make a joke, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what that is, uh, let's say you know, let's let's talk generically, and I put it out there. It doesn't matter if it's a bad joke or a good joke. 
the joke is like we got to think about what humor is mm -hmm. and if humor is the recognition of something that's caught by surprise mm -hmm. right that like you laugh because you recognize you you recognize a feature of the verbal landscape or whatever the the, the format or the medium is and you arrive to that recognition kind of surprisingly and that's what makes you laugh mm -hmm. right so you're talking about a subject in your punchline i go oh i didn't see how he was going to get there even though i knew what you were talking about and i laugh not because i agree with you but because i recognize the landscape it's mm -hmm. an understanding like humor happens only because you understand the joke an insult happens based off of the same premise or insult or um I don't know, whatever you want to call it, offense, right? right? I'm offended by that because you misunderstand the landscape. Mm -hmm. it, again, it doesn't matter if it's a good joke or a bad joke, but people who are offended usually misunderstand the joke, right? Because if I say something about dead babies, I'm not saying like where I want babies to die. Mm -hmm. I'm making a joke where you understand the landscape and maybe the harshness of the subject and I arrive to a place where you go, oh, I didn't see it turning that way. Right. It, you don't have to agree with the person for the joke to be like relevant. You're only offended because you misunderstand the premise of what I'm getting at. And most humor is taking tragedy and turning it into a way that gets you to recognize the landscape and arrive there in a surprising way. Right, and to process. Yeah, 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 for sure. And that's why Anthony Jeselnik is so good <laughs> at it because he takes these things and he'll like flip wording where you go like, oh, I know where he's going with this. You, yeah. He could be talking about abortion or all these like sensitive subjects and then flip it and you laugh, not because you think abortion is awesome or dead babies are cool, but also he flipped it and you're laughing how he made you arrive to understand what he was talking about. Right. So you laugh at that. And then people that get offended that they're offended because they misunderstand the subject matter. Like what, what's his like really like good joke. That's like a, a quick spin. Um, when he's talking about like, um, you know, you really want to like have some sensation uh, of relief, drop somebody's baby when they're not looking and pick it up before they look back. And he's like, <laughs> like you're just like what the f and the, the joke goes on it has like a couple punchlines right. to it that just makes it go deeper and deeper and you're like oh this person is sick he's talking about throwing kids on the ground and you're like uh, he's like i think that joke ends with like hey would you like to hold my baby and he goes yeah for a little while <laughs> like, <laughs> like but see that's and that's there's it's fascinating in, in film too mm -hmm. because there's uh, a few different ways that you can get to the punchline and the, the one that you're talking about uh there's another where you're participatory. So mm -hmm. uh, you are going on this journey and you arrive at the punchline together. But what has to happen is you have to trust that whoever's taking you there gives you all those steps. Like that joke's not funny if it's like, knock, knock, who's there? Yeah, yeah. I dropped your baby. It's like, that's not funny. But if you go through this whole sort of journey through it, mm -hmm. you know who you are then there's no, you don't find as much offense on the other side. What, would you say the short version isn't funny only because, well, it's not, A, it's not done well, right? And that's what, you laugh because a joke is done well. But we can- I mean, it didn't even respect the rules of the knock-knock joke. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, I wasn't going to laugh at that, Kirk. I'm like, I dropped your baby who? Like, isn't that what I'm supposed to answer? And then you're wait, like- wait, I, You don't think that's funny? So <laughs> I dropped your baby. <laughs> imagine, so imagine- That's awesome. I don't have one. <laughs> your baby now. That's the, like the joke no, yeah, on that's you. The, that's the knock-knock. Knock-knock. Who's there? 
the baby on the floor. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it bounced twice. The the weird like so what what I'm getting at is like when when people get um I'll say like a joke, right? You come in the door, I'm like, oh, Boulder's here, or like whatever the stupid thing would be. You know what I'm talking about. Um, and if you misunderstood what I'm talking about, it would just be offense for you, right? Well, You'd be like, oh, what did he mean by that? That's really what you're thinking. Well, like, oh, he said something snide. What did he mean by that? You're confused. No, 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 no. Right? We don't ask that anymore. We immediately <laughs> well, jump to the answer that we, you know, uh, of, of that mother. Well, fucker. So, <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually, I am now. I'm offended. <laughs> I want an apology on Twitter. Humor is a really like it's like food in the sense of like it's a really common in group out group thing. Like there's hmm. groups where it's just like this is our sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Like I have a friend who just started dating someone new and is just like oh, I haven't quite invited him into my my meme database. Like cause oh, I don't yeah. know if he's ready for like how dark uh, my sense of humor is. Yeah. And like there's there's a line of in-group where it's just like, oh, like I've gotten some stuff on my phone where like, who can I send this to who will understand why it's funny? But what's the thing that allows some comedians to get away from away with it all the time? Because I was listening to comedians talk about this very yeah, subject yeah. where it's like, it's, it's not funny only when it, it's an experience that you've had that you don't think is funny, which is what mm-hmm. you were talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if you decide that abuse is going to be your your punchline, right? Well, that offends me, and so then, but it doesn't offend you, so you're right. laughing. I'm not, right? But there are certain comedians that can get away with it in almost any <laughs> circumstance. But, but the, it's I, unbelievable. I think a lot of times, though, it, at least in this era, that, and I'll just say that you know the the lived experience that where that's not a funny word for you, or the, but that particular punchline is not funny because of your experience. Um, and you just don't have to laugh, but what happens right now is because your experience is so important to you, you try to silence the person that made you feel uncomfortable or said something that you weren't prepared to hear or didn't overlay with, you know, your worldview, but it's just like, and I mean, there was a pretty interesting article recently that I read about the tyranny of lived experience and how this, you know, you can't say that because you didn't live it. And I did Mm -hmm. like, well, I can say whatever the fuck I want. I just don't have to be friends with you or I don't, I don't give a fuck whether like your best interests are served by my commentary. It's not my, that's not what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what the answer is about like why some comedians can get away with it though. Like and they, more, they do it very well and it's, do it really uh, well. And I guess I think it's because they don't apologize for it. But you don't. But you also don't. You're not outraged by that either. Well, uh, yeah, but there's this. There's this. Like, uh, I, I get. I get interrupt one oh, second. Yeah, yeah. I I get, just before we get away from mm-hmm. Jesselnick, I rewatched Shark Party like four or five days ago. <laughs> it wasn't quite as funny as it was the first three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I knew what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> Shark Party. Yeah, I've only you know I haven't watched it for a while, but but I mean, do once you know the arrival, it's not as funny. Well, of like, course, right? And I, but it I, is uh, still uh, funny. Oh God! <laughs> on, on your, I would almost say that it seems to be skill. Yeah, that, I, I totally like agree in with the that. sense yeah. of like being it's and like I've heard other comedians talk about that of like it's a tightrope. Messenger matters, like for sure. This the. the the way and I mean the the crafting of the joke mm-hmm. the 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 silences 
like the pacing, the, the beat, pacing, the language, everything. Yeah. Because like, again, like you were saying, you, you're, you're building some sort of trust with the audience. And when, when you have that, when you have that skill, like it's, it's everyone agreed that you were joking in the sense of like, as opposed to like, I remember some comedians who got into trouble for being just like simply offensive when it's like, there was no skill there. Like Kramer. <laughs> the first person oh. that I think about always in this topic is uh, Louis CK. Right. You know, he, he, he was, he decided like, I'm going to go all the way yeah, yeah, yeah. on the other side. Did of you it. watch his latest one? I haven't had a chance to yet. Uh, it's worth it. I believe it. He's still one so of the best comedians alive. So without appropriate sure. setup, pace, yeah. and timing, I can't just tell someone to sit down and take your talking to. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, what you did to me when I walked in the door. <laughs> Welcome to our comedy show. Uh, yeah, but I, I I withheld the term bitch, so uh, <laughs> that was that was my concession Thanks, to. <laughs> <I guess>. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dave, I think Dave Chappelle's another one where yeah. he uh, he's able to he in two specials ago he did an impression of the audience yeah uh, without telling them yeah and you guys know what I'm talking about yeah like, mm -hmm. that was great and everyone's laughing at it he's like he's making fun of you yeah yeah, yeah, yeah and for it, sure and we love it and that's yeah. like that's I think brilliance but th this is the fun like well you're right the closeness and the trust is obviously something having to do with like comedy and humor mm -hmm. um, especially among friends because. I swear that like I have, you know, private messages and group messages with a lot of different people. If I just put those publicly, everyone would be canceled. Every single person is <laughs> fucking canceled. Like I, <laughs> every single person. Like, I, I mean, George misfired a group text one time. Ooh, and I no. was like, oh, shit. Did he mean this for us? That's brave. Like, cause I saw who was in, it was like 15 people. And he's like, sorry guys, wrong message. And it was like, uh, like this was for sure meant for your military buddies. Oh. Like, and it was just like, everybody thankfully was just like, ha, that's actually really funny. Right. Like everybody had a good sense of humor about mm -hmm. it. In which case it didn't sure, matter. Sure they did. <laughs> well, so even if some were offended, they knew that like, they knew with the people involved that he didn't mean yeah. any harm. Right. 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 And that I think is the thing, you know, that I'm not trying to hurt somebody's like feelings. Um, I'm just, having a play at something and that's a perfect uh segue into the louis ck thing like mm -hmm. all of his jokes about you know having sex with kids mm -hmm. in the you know not a, not a dead kid yeah you know like those jokes maybe were if it hasn't rained right exactly <laughs> like those jokes those jokes were funny until you were like oh are you are you a creep you know like where he for sure is right right right. but but nobody was looking at him that way you know, i think i was oh, yeah? i think i've always looked at him like the only people that could comment on this kind yes. of thing are yes. people that really have like these feelings and these emotions and these experiences that inform one way or another yeah if you think that if you think that all comedians aren't damaged then you're missing well the they're part. usually healing that's their therapy like their if own you think therapy, all right? people <laughs> yeah. uh, nice, human beings nice. right. aren't damaged it's and, and so you have a couple ways to go back, i reserve right? the right to offend you <laughs> right you, you have an abusive dad or something like that and you could either become a comedian and jerk off on plants in front of people or you can have an abusive dad and you become dr oz and you're america's doctor and you're a fucking narcissistic sociopath who like does weird shit who has plants at home who's like <laughs> yeah who's like highly successful but like still does like chris seances in heart surgery i don't like there's there's just different ways to deal with your trauma i right. like to keep my crystal seances in my heart surgery 
separate. Separate. I totally agree. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, not that the, not that the surgeon right. can't do the crystal seance. Just don't like try and use that seance to sterilize your tools. Yeah, and I take the jerking <laughs> off on plants and comedy. I just keep those separate too. And yeah. you know, when somebody crosses the boundary between those, it's fine as well if they're into that. If they said, yes, this is okay to mix these two things, because at the moment I think that it's funny, and I go, oh, this is really happening. This is not as funny as I thought it'd be. <laughs> there's, a, and, But there's also a, a thing there where, like, I posted a... Um, it's some time ago, some music thing, and it was a Marilyn Manson song, Satan, because you know, Satan, because yeah, it's like it's a it's vegan, right? Satan, yeah. How do you say that? Satan, Satan, Satan. Was it Satan? Is that how you're supposed to say it? Satan, I think. Oh shit! Well, so he fucked up. Anyway, and so somebody in the comment section was like, "I believe somebody." About something that he supposedly like it was oh, a yeah, me yeah. too thing. Yeah, because uh, a whole bunch of people came out about him, right? Yeah. Like three yeah. past girlfriends. But then I'm just like, come on, you kind of knew what you were getting I, yourself into, right? I mean, just yeah. like persona. Okay, maybe it's fake. Maybe it's like clown makeup, mm-hmm. and you know, he doesn't really believe this, and he doesn't behave in a certain way. But I saw that fucking beautiful people video. That guy has some fucked up. Fucked up. <laughs> he's, yeah. I mean, if exactly. you read his autobiography, you know he's fucked up. Yeah. Like the sexual abuse from his uncle and all these other things that happened. And no, I'm really excited because this is a topic I've, I've been thinking and, about and, a lot. But that lately. doesn't change okay. the fact that I that <laughs> got really excited about sexual abuse from Uncle Bad Touch. <laughs> it just tri- it triggered something in my mind. Okay, <laughs> you got right. triggered. Yeah, yeah. Is it micro or macro? It was a mini car. A mini- so, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Please go. I still, you know, I still listen and quite enjoy all of uh, Mister Ant- M- M- What? Yeah. The music. <laughs> made by the individual aforementioned <laughs> I, I the uh pronoun unknown i've been thinking a ton about the idea that uh we like our artists damaged but just the right amount oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that is true you know it's like reclaimed stuff like it's like wearing a gas awesome. mask into whole foods yeah too right? much is too well, much you man. just do too much and I'm like well i don't have both filters on it like and as soon as we as soon as they start losing that sort of I don't know whatever adjective you want to use edginess yeah and we start pushing them back towards it so it's like it, it it if they start getting healthy and maybe their art isn't the same you're making better music when you're on heroin yeah man like <laughs> and it happens it's bizarre and then all or if, or if and I'm willing to trade quality now for less quantity <laughs> later after you OD that's fine yeah, yeah I just need one new album yeah while you're on heroin um, and then I'll go on my merry way and you can you know for instance uh, like I wonder if uh, Kurt Cobain was being actively given outlets to try and become healthier or if people were sort of like no that's he's he's making a lot of money for a lot of people let's let him do what he wants to do i this is a weird that's some commercial some commerce savagery to think about that it kind of like you you want like imagine if everybody had this like perfect you know nuclear upbringing that was like everybody is you know unabused and healthy and cared for perfectly it's like 
the amount of the art in the world would drop significantly. It would have to, right? Like, No, I, I don't think so. I think how, that's, how so? I think that the idea that you have to be a tortured artist... I'm not saying you have to be. I'm saying that it, a lot of it is is produced in, in um, I don't know, in reaction to trauma. If like, everybody was as you just described, mm -hmm. it would be homogenous, therefore there'd yeah. be no need for art. But that's the trauma then. Like ev everyone's the same. So that's the trauma. We'll find trauma. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, we'll make up our own yeah. for sure, yeah. which is kind of what we're doing now. Like if for the most part, trauma is just being generated as a as a place to feel relevant. Like, no, no, I, I something happened to me too. And not to say that's that because I'm not. Like obviously there's like inequity when it comes to certain experiences. But that's also kind of the, the weird part about this um, it, it, this is a, uh, I think an article that was sent uh, by Jeremy to uh, me and Mark oh, yeah. the other week and it, 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 this was written in 1994 and it was talking about the dangers of victimization as a culture because it takes away from the actual experience of a victim somebody who lived a thing as opposed to being associated with a class of people that have been victimized and that's a really like that's actually a good point right like the to to think well because it, it really brings the volume down on the individual that experiences something terrible to say that you're part of a group of people that might potentially experience something terrible or have in the past or something like that not referring to any one um any any one demographic in particular but just as like a man victimization you could talk about it as like women's rights or whatever whatever subgroup that you want to talk about and I, I think that's where the, the Me Too thing loses track is because it talks about victimization as opposed to the individual victims. And when it comes back around, when you want to talk about individual victims, people are tired of it. Like the, like the, the signal and noise is too much. There's no signal through that noise because we've been hearing about victims and the potential of the subgroup to be victimized. And therefore, I can't, I can't hear about one more person because I've heard about millions of people and the potential for victimization. Not to tell you, there's no, I'm not saying there's any other way, right? Like there, there's no choice here. There's no like uh, the group that needs attention is going to get attention however they deem appropriate. And a lot of that is, you know, being loud um, and, and good on you. Like that, that's how, how else is anything going to happen unless you're loud? But that's an interesting point because when you start to, uh, put victims under an umbrella, mm -hmm. uh, I think what I was hearing you say is that then the individual doesn't feel like they have, uh, they can't speak to their victimization as loudly. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think that's really interesting that the idea that perhaps like while we are providing resources on a, a larger scale, we still need to focus on the individual to say, well, okay, what specifically what's your what are we talking about with you? Like imagine, and this is where the, like the real, imagine if instead of treating somebody like the victim that they were to an atrocity, a beating, a rape, a violent act, a, an abuse of some sort, instead you discriminated and treated all people that just happened to appear to you superficially like that person, you treated them all like that victim. That's inappropriate. Right, you're like a white glove person handling things, but you're you're discriminating in the wrong way. And this this has been brought up by, you know, some some um, you know 
some leaders in like black culture who are saying, hey, there's a there's this like subtext this thing by like throwing the moniker of black culture or black community together. People get the idea that we have like weekend meetings like that that we coordinate all with each other and we're very connected. And that's just a misconception. We forget to acknowledge the black individual as an individual in their own experience. And everybody just becomes part of this, you know, group collectively and it's, you know, things are happening to the black community. And you're like, what things are happening? How do you fix how do you fix anything that is not specific? Like when something lacks specificity, you can't see it and target it. And this is like, so you know why zebras have stripes, right? It's camouflage, but it's not camouflage into the terrain. It's camouflage into each other. And it's so that it, a predator actually can't pick out one of them. It just sees too much and it can't make out which one thing to attack. And that's, that's a that's a clever way to hide from predators, but in the way where we want to, hey, let's like see who the predators are and who the victims are. And there's this idea of like zebra lining everything. I can't see what we're actually talking about. So we can't actually address it. Like, do I do I just treat every African-American I run into like they just got beat by the cops and I make sure, you know, that I make up for that? Or you know, do we take this as a target specific thing? Or with women, the same thing. Do I treat every woman like a rape victim that should be heard and I like take my distance or I cross the street because I don't want them to feel any ounce of fear? Or do I like, you know, like the real answer, like how do we target these problems and act on a like a very specific, you know, well, action? I mean, this circles back to when we were talking about sensitivity mm -hmm. in the sense of being able to read a terrain and mm -hmm. and respond accordingly and the hard part is like sensitivity in the sense of not everything is is worth responding to but sensitivity and like understanding what is and the importance the difference between the signal and the noise mm -hmm. and being an understanding like what is my effect on this situation that i can adjust and sometimes when it's just like oh i'm negatively in fact impacting this situation and then either is there a way I can more positively do so or is it better for me to exit the situation mm -hmm. um, and being sensitive and open to different solutions and open to this thing too of like being informed that you were being insensitive about something like truly inconsiderate. So I should be clear. Right. I don't have a problem with like navigating the world and, yeah. and like I kind of I make a difference because I think it's important to like divide discriminating for or against a community or group of people based on superficial attributes mm -hmm. and acknowledging an individual and what they were giving you like mm -hmm. in your uh, interaction with each other. But what I see collectively as uh, our culture is trying to inform people how to act. And like that's that seems to be the way things are going. Like it's, it's like a, you know, homogenized, like you're supposed to act this way, like whatever towards this group of people. But I, do, but I do think we are sort of showing that we don't really know how to act. <laughs> like individually? We're not, we're not doing a great job. Uh, no, uh, is societally. This, I mean, okay, so is this true on an, on, a, on an actual basis or is this true as in the media represents these outliers and this is how we see people react because it's an outlier? Or like, so take the interactions between... Um, you could take race relations, you could take gender relations, you could take trans relations, like w whatever inter 
interaction, how many interactions are positive or neutral? Would you say less than 50% or more than 50% or neutral or positive? Uh, are we talking? I mean, a bad outcome, oh, like physical violence or something so, detrimental or discrimination or something. Something negative happened, which would have to be, you know, maybe that, that would be too big of a qualifier, but. My question was essentially, again, I think it's playing right into your point is like, as far as internet based, mm -hmm. primarily what I, what comes across my f view is negative. Personnel, right. like actual base, like human to human, mm -hmm. overwhelmingly positive in what I have seen. I 100% agree with that. Mm. And that this is where I think the internet or like the media represents an interaction to be negative. Ooh. But I don't think it's as negative as it seems. I, I just don't think people are as brazen as they are online as oh, they yeah, are in yeah, person. Yeah. I think I, that's I what we're that. seeing. Like if you're seeing a lot on a lot of negativity online yeah, yeah. and positivity in person, yeah. what I see is a bunch of people that are just not giving you who they actually are. Do you, do you know what's weird to think about though? And this, but the, but is, this is the scary part about that idea about, okay, what I see online is very like visceral and people are because of anonymity or the protection of the screen or the security of a keyboard or whatever it is where I don't have to actually interact. My fear is that that interaction will then transfer and that person will go out into the real world and think yes. that that's what the real world is like. So they're at Target and they like see someone of trans nature and that person is doing something that they don't like. And because their interaction, now it's going to start, you know, now he's going to double down on his feelings based on Christian beliefs and this like upbringing that he's had about this person doing something wrong. When in reality, if he was away from that interaction, online and he just saw it and he'd be like, oh, that's weird. It's a dude in a dress and he'd just be the hillbilly that he is and everything's fine because everybody's generally pretty cool in real life, generally, mm -hmm. for the most part. I would say 99% of the time. Doesn't it being called news mean it's abnormal? R right. You yeah. said that once and that yeah. bothered me for a week. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's still bothering me. <laughs> right. But but, but, and there it is. And so just by, okay, step back. If that's true, mm -hmm. then the majority of personal or individual interactions are, you know, neutral or, you know, 50%, more than 50% neutral or positive. Yeah. Because if, if all you're seeing is all the negative shit and that's the news, that means that that is not normal. And the news seems to be very generic, right? Unless it's like hyper-involved circumstances, shootings, then we identify the shooter and what his background was and all these things. So we start, it's like they want to build a profile to have us generalize against a, a group of humans. A particular group, well, yeah. yeah. Again, I, it's the thought process of news as a business. Mm -hmm. yeah. And which means you need an audience, but not only do you need an audience, you need an audience that you can sell buyers, uh, yeah. that, you can, that you can market yeah. towards. Mm -hmm. And therefore a wide net is not useful because you don't know what to sell them. So if, if your news audience was all race, gender, political affiliation, and uh, wealth from, from poor to rich, yeah. No one like targeted ads is why Facebook and Google are making so much money because they can fine tune um, 
like who they're marketing to. Yeah. So you know how to message them. Uh, this is a really interesting point about like the world is not much different. It's actually less violent than it was 20 years ago. The mm. 90s were insane, man. Mm. Like Detroit was not a fucking safe place in the mm. 90s. If you're downtown Detroit, the deaths, uh, the, the average homicide rate was higher than it is in the Iraq war today. Mm. Like you, th this is like, in the middle of America, there's essentially what would classify as a war zone. Mm. And that, that's kind of the whole world. We've dropped that homicide rate by such an alarming amount that there's really not, like, not that there's nothing to fear. The, the, like, there should never be nothing to fear because the world is full of people that you never know what they're going to be like. But when you look at like how media sold things to people, there was no feedback on who they were selling it to, right? right? So you have a TV on ad space. There's no right way to say if they like showed a commercial for Clorox after leave it to the beaver, leave it to the beaver, leave it to the beaver. <laughs> different show, different yeah, show. Different, yeah. Sorry, I got my, I got my porn you got your, you, I was going to say you, you have your means of delivery confused. Leave it in beaver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there, there's, there's this, um, this con the, the feedback was like, well, their company's more successful this year, so keep the campaigns going. Right. Like, keep all that ad space circuits working. And they don't know even what's working. Is it the newspapers? Is it the magazine? Right. Is it the television? It doesn't matter. And that's where mass media, you, you have no feedback. And then finally, with the advent of Google ad space was the first time that somebody could go, this is the user. But by pinpointing the user, we're pinpointing the victim, the the victor, the the person, the person who we can isolate out of a group and then also actually put in another group. Right. So now when you sign up for like Google ad space, they're legitimately like, what kind of group do you want to yeah. affect? And you're like, I want, you know, uh, 26 year old Latinos because I'm selling this kind of yeah. product. And you're like, cool, got it. Right. We, like I can target to that demographic. And then this comes back into the argument I was making last, uh, like a couple months ago about uh, like, man, that the AI bot has really found a way to capture our attention by putting at e us at each other's throats. Mm -hmm. This is something the news media has done for a while and politicians have done to like gain popularity because they're not, no, there's not one politician that wants to appeal to 100% of people. They know that's an impossibility. So they appeal to, you know, 30 or 35 or 40% of the population. And they do that by angling and going against something so they can start to change. And this is, in my head, this is how ad space works, right? Like in between the riot video of whatever is your favorite type to watch, if you like to watch people throw rocks at cops, then here's here's the ad for you know your new kind of beanie that you can wear off the back of your head. But if you're the kind of person that likes to you know throw watch cops beat punk ass kids with sticks, you're like here's the ad for that new holster you wanted for right. your concealed carry. You're like. It's such a fucking market. It's insane. Well, it happens so fast too. Like you spend one weird day on a, in a rabbit hole of shopping for something mm. and all your ads will shift. Yeah. Um, and it's again, pretty fun to steer it. It actually, <laughs> it's fun to see them I mean, just next to each other you when you got two bots working. Yeah. A few spare hours to <laughs> try and fuck with the algorithm. Um, but it's like, I only want to see ads for X and like, how am I going to get that? Hmm. <laughs> it's, it's just so interesting in the sense of just like, it's, it's just an artifact of like the banality of evil. Like just like, it's just like, 
it's just someone who thought of a easier way to make more money. It's bad incentive. Yeah. 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 And it's just like, it's, it's, it's good incentive for the marketing team who's like, Hey, I can make your ad dollars go further by just doing it this way. And then, so is that the difference between bad and evil? It's just bad is bad incentive mm -hmm. and evil is enforced bad incentive. All right, folks, that's well, it for today. <laughs> well, We've so, been presented with a question that no one has an answer for. <laughs> Sorry. Like, well, because in e evil, I would, I would assume like malice, like, well, that's what I mean. And it's like it's it's like people saying. So here's my example: is like you look at um, like an industrial prison industrial complex, mm -hmm. right? And, and I know a term like it's thrown around, but you legitimately look at prison guards in the lobby lobbying against the legalization of cannabis because it'll reduce the amount of jobs for prison guards. Mm -hmm. So now I'm enforcing people staying in prison right. in order to keep people employed. For, for that sounds like a prison worker union you're talking about right there yeah yeah sorry yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah sorry i forgot the worker right <laughs> they're hard to tell apart to be yeah. honest like, the prison guards prisoners same thing they tend to be like uh, in the culture like they kind of mm. have to involve themselves into that culture so uh it is strange but this okay now we had a bad incentive Right, mm. we had a bad incentive in the first place by having to privatize prisons to be able to make a profit off the idea that we need to lock some people up. Mm. The worse idea is now creating regulation and laws to make people who were not, who should not be criminals, now they're criminals because we applied a law, and now now the bad incentive becomes evil because now we're locking people up for shit that is not illegal in order for people to have jobs and make normal incomes and for people who own those companies to make exorbitant incomes. That's evil to me. For me, bad is without conscience and okay. evil is with. Sure. You know, if yeah. Lam Lambert tears something up, mm -hmm. he's a bad dog. <laughs> but if he looks at you and he's like, this is, I'm doing this because of you. <laughs> yeah. And he looks at you in that way. He would give me that look. He'd be like, look back. And... Your dog, your dog's evil. <laughs> I, I would agree I, with you. And yeah. that's, and that's yeah. sort of like a flip way to sort of present something that I think is uh, kind of bothersome. But I, I do think it's conscience. I think it's your bad is without intention, as you, as you mentioned. And, and evil is like, I'm, I'm setting out to do this. And, I mean, this sounds like a Sam scenario question. Right. But it was uh, Josh and Sam were talking some bullshit philosophy while I was like riding the bike outside mm -hmm. the other day. And um, Sam was asking about relative morality. Like, um, and to explain it, Josh said, well, say there's like a little girl who comes over and uh, she starts beating Lambert, right? Like she walks off this, you know, we don't know who she is, so we can't mm. assign any kind of like feeling to who this person is. And she just starts hitting Lambert. Would that be bad? And then the question is like, well, what if she came over? She pet Lambert, Lambert bit her, and then she hit Lambert. So this is re relative morality, mm -hmm. right? And I stopped the question because I was like, let's just be clear. If a little girl comes over here and hits Lambert, no matter what Lambert does, I'm going to kill that little girl and piss on her grave every year on the anniversary of the day that I murder her. Because relative to what I care about, I care about Lambert's life more than any other fucking little kid, period. You know what we could do? Hmm. That that mountain lion den that's out behind <laughs> the building? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we have a we know what to fill it with. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's I mean, it, but this is like 
now you can turn something that is like a wholesome feeling, defending things mm -hmm. that I care about, into an evil thing. Because so easily, I can just stack bodies because I care more about my dog than other people's kids. Mm -hmm. You're like, Thurk's like, I'm not bringing my little girl around <laughs> <laughs> There'll be some rules. There's... <laughs> but that's uh, what you're talking about is uh, capital punishment. I believe he's talking about an overreaction. Yeah, but sure. But, yeah. <laughs> same, same, same. <laughs> Fair, solid point. Touche. Yeah. All right. I was going to say, I was talking about justice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but vengeance, justice. It but really, it is. It's like how, yeah. how many executions before you're like, ah, I feel pretty, I feel good now. There wouldn't be enough. If like, especially if- <laughs> No, they, I know for you, there would never be enough. Right. Like it's a like Liam Neeson scenario. <laughs> <where you're> like, <laughs> and that's just Lambert. I mean, where is he? He's, he's right he's behind, behind you. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm to me, the best part about this podcast was when he was snoring. snoring. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's, it's interesting because like the line between like conscious and unconscious, like evil and- and and incentives because it's just like it seems you know the the formation of corporations like one of the useful things about it is to you know it's not me it's the company it's to it's the diffusion of responsibility but i don't think that's useful i think that's the harmful thing is well, ambiguity but that's well, that's going away too though well the the thing is mm. is that it's useful from the corporation standpoint is yes, what i'm yeah, saying like yeah. the person who put that in into place is like i have an idea yeah. of what will keep people from feeling bad about some of the stuff we need them to do in order to, to make, make profit. To make profit. But yeah, but in order to, for the for the shareholders to increase right. each year. Yeah, right. But, and then, oh, sorry. Nope. Oh, no, then we can get into the sense of like, well, if I'm not going to do it, if I, if I stand my ground and don't do it, then they'll just find someone else who will do it. And so like it turns into that feeling of just like, well, I I'm not going to stop anything by giving this up. And so like the, the, uh, the priorities of the business or whatever is going on, like they just keep in, in working for, it's almost like a life form in, in working for its own survival. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, willing to eat the guts out of an antelope, you know, while it's still alive. Like it's just passing that buck and trying to save itself by bringing more and more people into the fold in what would make a very logical, uh, decision. Mm -hmm. Um, absent morality but that that uh that protection of mm -hmm. the anonymity of the business is disappearing mm -hmm. so there, there's this whole idea that for instance like amazon uh mm -hmm. being able to do x y or z because they're amazon you know that's not going to continue they're they're becoming people they're becoming personalities right. so mm -hmm. that you, they with it they carry responsibility right and are being addressed as such well, so I, and this is the uh, uh, Sebastian Younger was um, talking about this concept, and, and I think he's pretty dead on. It's like uh, people can suffer, and, and, and for most people, like a good philosophical plight for like humanity surviving and becoming better is to reduce suffering. I don't know if I agree with that necessarily, but it's not necessarily unethical to stop people from suffering, unless barring. <laughs> There's circumstances where that would, you know, where, where it's shown that interventionalism is a problem. <laughs> um, but what he's talking about is based on the notion that people can suffer, but entities can't. 
governments, corporations, religious organizations, these entities are stories. They're just narratives. They, they don't suffer. And therefore, to protect them is unethical, actually. Like to, to go to make people suffer for a story, for a narrative, for fiction, that is unethical. But that's what people have latched onto well, that are profiting from this, where well, they say, I can hide behind this. And that's exactly. what I'm talking about. Well, now that's yeah. disappearing. And, I mean, that's, they're no longer fables. Now we're like, okay, well, Amazon is is this employee. What is what is our history other than people suffering over stories? Well, what do you mean? What do you mean it's disappearing? Because Amazon's not disappearing. No, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, the idea, nor are they unionizing. That Jeff, that, Jeff, I, that Jeff Bezos is getting blamed. Like Amazon is has a face. Yeah, there used to be this idea where it was like, actually, not even that. Uh -huh. uh, the, okay. I, the idea that um, uh, corporations were were just corporations mm -hmm. and they could what's happening uh, I'm getting ahead of myself what's happening is uh, through social channels um, Amazon has been sort of going after uh, their employees mm -hmm. right and so their employees Seems will, smart <laughs> their employees will say something and then they'll come Amazon as a company will say something underneath in like a Twitter rant or something like that and so what's happening is uh, they're now being assigned by uh, by the population as as a terrorist organization <laughs> as a, as a real shitty employee well is it and are they so doing it, it in a funny way or no they're going at like it's, they're commenting to kind of like is it a bullying way? it's changing yeah it's so now it's so no it's not longer, like burger king showing up to the wendy's post and being like you know whatever like the the funny comedic relief between two stupid entities no it's you working for burger king and being like i'm not getting paid appropriately and burger king saying shut up and then the rest of the people being like well, now we're attacking Burger King not as a corporation, oh, right. yeah, but they're as a as a more of a personality. Oh, but how much do you think that will actually change? I can't say right now because I do think it's going to morph. Mm -hmm. And so the, what's happening is we have like that that beginning ember, and yeah. I think it'll change into something quite effective. Do you think it will be better? I feel like Amazon's going to get better. Uh, That's social media. I, I, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, this is my, I mean, this is the big question is like, you either think the future is better or you don't. And it's really hard to, usually I think the future is better, right? So like, yeah, I don't. And I feel like that's okay. But so don't you have a kid? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. This is well, so yeah, th for sure. <laughs> here's where it should inform you. Here's where it informs me. If you don't think the future is better, if you really believe that don't invest in anything, start hoarding money. Cause this is, that you're you're essentially saying that your your outlook for the next whatever quarters or you know fiscal year all the shit isn't going to get better which means it's going to get worse which means you should start insulating yourself we I, I keep getting that a lot where people will sit I'll, I'll express that i'm a bit pessimistic right and they'll be like but then why do you have a kid mm. and i'm pessimistic but i'm not unhappy I, f I feel like having a child is is an exercise in optimism. Yeah, I think a lot of people assign that like right. well, you wouldn't have a kid if you didn't think the world was going to be great. Mm. Well, I, great, I but it's I don't know whatever. Well, yeah. 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 What, so, I, sorry, you're right. That's a that's a, a poor adjective. Um, without hope, okay. or, or or there there isn't a, a you know light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. I just I think I I. I I, I just can see how bad things are right now. And I'm still, 
able to to find uh, joy in the relationship with my daughter and, and right. there's so there's happiness there right. still. How do you think that the world is right now? Like how do you see it? I think every generation has something, has their thing that is uh, while they're in it, like the worst that any generation will ever see. Hmm. And I, I think that we're right now, we're sitting in the middle of it. I think that in like even now, looking back at some of the stuff that's happened in the last year, mm-hmm. it's it's it blows my mind. Um, so I, I think right now we're in the center of our worst, and I think that uh, <laughs> this is gonna sound this is terrible. I think if anything, it's just this is terrible, and I'm gonna laugh about it. Just, we got it. Just, all we can do is laugh about it. Let's make well, somebody should uh, make some write some comedy about terrible. <laughs> okay so we've done it now we're laughing we are we're we're in the we're in the center of 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 as bad as it's going to be and i think if the human race is good at anything it's about uh, forgetting and moving on and i think that we're just we're going to continue through and and we're just it'll change but do you think we're going to have hoverboards yet like i am fucking pissed that i saw back to the future and i was convinced in my lifetime there'd be hoverboards have you seen people on razors it's not the same thing with man. great power <laughs> we were promised jetpacks <laughs> I'm going to go to every riot. I was told there would be jetpacks in my picket sign. So here's the weird thing. I agree with you. And I I don't think that it's weird that you have a kid and you have kind of a pessimistic look at the future. I have a pessimistic look at the future. And I kind of don't want to off gas that to a child. So I'm talking about like I'm what Berkey's talking about. And you're what like, but I could. I don't think there's, I don't think that's like. This is a bad word. It's a wrong word for it, but I don't think it's like hypocritical to to have a child and also know that the future is going to kind of suck. Right. I'm going to project here, Zerk. I'm going to look right into your eyes as I do so. Is there a ficus? (laughs) (laughs) I can't project that far. (laughs) That succulent is in the other room. (laughs) And I already fed it for today. Exactly. you have an idea about the you know positive, more positive, more negative, you know, uh, condition of the future, but you're not just sitting by watching. So I think regardless, and it's and it's just like well maybe, um, you know, somebody who says, "Wow, if you're a pessimist about the future, why do you have a kid?" And I'm just like, "Well, because my child's going to change the fucking world based on the upbringing that I provide." Like that's. Um, that that would be my answer. And mm. right after I told them to go fuck themselves, mind your own business. <laughs> You're still looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. You know how handsome you are. You know I you, love you. <laughs> you. But you're absolutely right. Yeah, I totally. It's not like you're not doing. You know, okay. If you if if you believe this about the future, then why are you behaving in this way? Uh, you know, or wh- why do you do this thing that I have that I put my associations right. for the future about the it's going to be better than. Therefore, I feel okay bringing another life into that future that will be better. I a hundred percent agree, and I, I think it's it's the idea of uh, it, if the if the world was the way it was mm-hmm. and I was by myself, my actions would be informed in a different way. But now that I have her, I'm I'm addressed towards her like i don't believe necessarily that it's going to be better but i'm going to actively participate in 
act, you know, in, in, in certain things to, 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 uh, steer it in a better direction should i as an individual have any I've, fucking power i would agree all. i've become way more invested since she's been around yeah. and that uh, that i couldn't have manifested another so way. i would agree yeah. and if i put this analogy into sports terms because that's I what can't, i can't which i can't wait which sport <laughs> so football well, we could talk about anything yeah so yeah let's say let's like what you're saying is like just because you're not going to be in the nfl doesn't mean you can't play with a ball every once in a while. Like it doesn't mean you're going to stop training. Right. Right. Like I know I'm not going to be an athlete, uh, like an Olympic athlete. And somebody shows up, like, why do you? Why are you here? What a fucking mm-hmm. waste of time! Because you can't see the pinnacle of your athletic right. achievements. Therefore, why do anything? And the reaction is actually, well, I actually enjoy it, and I don't need like you enjoy the process of raising a child, and the environment around it doesn't dictate whether it's good or bad. The, the relationship with your child dictates the good or bad. The world is getting worse, but your relationship is getting better. It's it's like the end of Fight Club. They're just sitting there watching the world fall apart, but they have each other. Yeah. I guess that's hope. Well, you haven't seen, <laughs> you haven't read the comics after that. <laughs> Fight Club 2. <laughs> no, yeah. It, it definitely doesn't ticks, get better. Yeah, turn. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess the 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 graphic novels kind of went against the real ending in a way. Yeah, I I flipped through them. Yeah, they were they were good. They were like different. It was it was interesting, but it kind of lost me. I don't know. I think Ty, oh, Tyler had like some weird issues. Yeah, they they took a turn with that character. Yeah, they had like yeah. a relationship, and then they, he like got bored and just became an office worker again or something. It was like. It was like the antithesis of Fight Club. It just becomes like a normal cubicle worker. So it was, it's real life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. At the end of every great love story is a cubicle job and a night. And, and he's like just back in line. Complacent. Ikea. Yeah. Yep. Flat packs for Fuck. all. It almost sounds Fucking better than Ikea. what they came out with. I, I, I kind of like this. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a better story. That, that's pretty interesting. I don't... I can't say I don't think the world is that bad, but I think the perception of the world is that bad. And I what I and I to, think that 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 perception yeah. is is affecting the actual the perception yeah. of the world is affecting exactly. the actual world. Well, it's affecting the individuals who are then making the world, yeah. who yeah. are out in it. Yeah, like you know, there's some comedians talking about like we keep talking about the government doing something like it's a bunch of buildings stomping around. It's like those are people making decisions. Yeah, yeah. and so like when we talk about the world being you know, heartbreaking. It's just like, there's a bunch of people making heartbreaking decisions out there. And because of, and they're informed by their worldview, which if you look at Twitter, it's understandable why people are making heartbreaking decisions. Yeah. Do you, do you think there's going to be a time like when, when people like the, here's if the world gets bad enough, do you think people will stop and be like, we need to purge all of the bad information. The only way to do that is to, just crush every fucking media outlet that isn't I like think, certified, think, that isn't this, that isn't, there has to be some my, like thing. I right? think that's what the Anon thing was trying to do. I think that was exactly what was happening. Really? I do. I think it was a, uh, that whole uh, philosophy that you were talking about mm-hmm. is is why that was able to g- gain traction. Yeah. Because they did exactly what you said. Like, let's get away from all of this, all of this other media. Mm-hmm. We'll create our own. And, the narrative changed for those people that were deep into that yeah that perspective I, but it happened on the opposite side of that too right well, like, so like what you'll see a lot right now is it's just going around that um 
free free media versus paid media because like actual like hard work and fact checking takes time and costs money and if you're not going to sponsor it by by advertising right you need to sponsor it by subscriptions yeah and and if i search for a story and three of them are behind paywalls and the fourth one isn't yeah i'm probably gonna look at the fourth one and the information there is going to be geared towards advertising towards advertising not toward yeah. like information yeah. information is the vehicle in which they get the attention of the reader yeah. and so the information is going to be steered in a way to get more attention and not even just more attention but specific attention where they can google adwords target their 26 year old yeah yeah audience. who is the who is the audience <laughs> who is going to stay who's going to be engaged in this article long enough to get to the third ad down um yeah. and so the the wording has to be steered in a certain way and i mean i had a friend who told me that he worked for a newspaper for a, a little while and his job was to write headlines mm -hmm. and the policy is you skim the article for the most inflammatory thing yeah uh -huh. and they right. put and you put that on the top right like full stop like it doesn't have like but that's not new that's how news oh has, yeah has always been yeah it's i think the the big thing now is like so i heard this discussion about australia and the like everyone has to vote in the sense of they it was an argument of like trying to make voting mandatory in america and the argument is that if everyone has to vote, then it's upping the cost of of uh, trying to basically pander to one small group at the right. expense of everyone else. Like you'll piss off more people than you'll than you'll encourage. Yeah. If you have to deal with everyone, I think if you always. blended that with I forgot what they called the term, but the three, the the optimal, whatever, like rank choice, yeah, rank choice voting. Yeah. Like if you mix those two, you would probably have a pretty accurate system that would really dilute the extremism out mm. of a conversation. Because if I, you can't risk pissing off the second person who's in between you and the other person right. by saying stuff that's so inflammatory. Mm. So you have to be like, well, you know, I want you have to have the the middle person wins with rank choice voting right at least in like sentiment well and with with i mean like with primary challenges it's just like okay we need to if you need to win a primary yeah. it's just like i need the i need 50 percent of my side of, of the most extreme people on my side of the aisle yeah so, you so yeah. like it, it's it's just like it's complicated we'll be uh actually right around here we'll be moving into ranked choice voting in the next uh, election in november no shit yeah so, yeah. Salt Lake City that? or Salt Lake County. I mean, it was a um, sort of announced. The vote, I think, happened yesterday. Oh, no and shit. And my favorite part of it was, I mean, it was almost unanimous yeah. to go that way. Um, and the one person who was, you know, voted against it or whatever was basically saying that, you know, we shouldn't do this in an election year. We should give people time. And I was like, wait, you're, are you saying that you can't teach people what ranked choice voting means between now and fucking November? <laughs> What good are you as a politician <laughs> yeah. if you just admitted like how shitty you are at educating people and talking them talking to them about this particular concept? Yeah, this is the the old political standby. It's like not at this time, but we're obviously yeah. considering your needs as a community, and we're gonna we're gonna implement some of these ideas into the next system. And you're like, oh. You know, fuck yourself. like delaying, you know, <laughs> yeah. black and women's rights for fucking 150 years. That kind of delay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it was uh, when I was reading his you know, position on the, that. I can't remember which 
counts, you know, person it was, but reading his position, I was like, fuck, there must be a, like a surprise election coming up next month or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> like <laughs> and then I go, funny. yeah, it's November. I'm, you're like, what the fuck? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I guess you're, I mean, at some point <laughs> we have to recognize that essentially almost every politician is useless and essentially most people involved in government jobs are also useless. That's something. And I don't know if I even published the posted on the site or whatever you would call it, but there was something about that, about government, you know, most government employees are not essential. Yeah. It was uh, written sometime last year. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that, that is, I mean, most people are not essential. We can be like kind of, honest well, about it like i don't like i'm not essential to anybody unless it's like frivolous philosophy having to do with exercise well, like <laughs> it, i think that that, that was mean, a lot of people need to know how to bend their arms man i'm a professional arm bender yeah that was a that was <laughs> a part of the coach. whole thing uh with covid that made me laugh was just like the offense that some people took to being <laughs> called like non-essential workers are non-essential and it's just Dude, like who is gonna get your tires on your vehicle well, in a in a timely manner i work a tire rack bro as a general manager from like <laughs> from a national point of view like from from a non-selfish point of view it's like you're all replaceable oh yeah like and like non-essential just like you know if, if who isn't replaceable should be the question. It's, Who can we it, well, not So this replace? is the thing: is it's personal. Like you guys are irreplaceable to me. Like you're my, <laughs> you're my friends. I I might have other friends if you were gone. That's definitely true. But it wouldn't be the same. <laughs> here's here's how oh. I know. Here, here's how I know that I'm not essential. Because in my head, I'm like, the person who is essential, I don't know, it's the guy that's at the nuclear power plant who turns a knob or something. I don't even know how shit works. I'm not fucking essential. I need to get fired immediately. And they'd get someone else to turn that knob. But wait, the next Homer Simpson. Yeah. You don't have a job. I don't. You can't get rid of me, motherfuckers. (laughs) But it only works if we get rid of each other. Yeah. Let's say, so on three. (laughs) <laughs> three two wait wait wait, oh. wait 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 whoa whoa you're gonna we, fire me i'm gonna fire you right um yeah, it would be best uh, if we count down to three and you uh, said you're hired and i said you're fired i go oh shit so <laughs> is it on three or we say three, three and, and then go, go. i think yeah. it's <laughs> i think it's on three. One, One, two, two. you're fired and welcome to the Thirky podcast <laughs> <laughs> I'm How long you gonna, this you, is Berkey. you just come up with that one <laughs> The turkey. <laughs> you come out of the car on the way up. Fuck, I'm late. I'm, God damn it, I'm late. You're fired. All oh, right, I missed it. I'm just. Well, you don't have to, the authority because I, I fired you already. I, but I'm. I was just slow to get to three, man, because I was. That's a fireable offense. Challenge. I'm just yeah. wait. I'm, being slow. Yeah, you're, being you're untimely. Inept, yeah. I'm only into prompt employees. But I'm. I work for the government. I'm slow and untimely and you, like inappropriate all the time. You can't fire me. I'm somebody important. <laughs> oh man but like the I, I, again it was just like the idea <laughs> of to keep it serious I love, I, I love how you guys went from lethal weapon quotes to <laughs> I love lethal weapon yeah but like it, again it's just like the, the difference between taking something personally versus understanding the system of being sensitive to the fact that when you're told that like hey we don't know how many people might die we don't know how this thing works so if you don't, if you're not essential into people like getting fed and getting medicine, like just hold on a second. And people took that as a personal insult. 
I think because, what, I think what people heard was you are not essential as a person. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Not your your job. And yeah, it's just like or it's like uh, again, it's it's that here's that difference what I heard between, though. Because I didn't hear the essential thing. I heard your life doesn't matter to make money for. Mm-hmm. And, and like, th- that's my problem well, with it. And and so this, this again is interesting because there's a lot of people who are told they're non-essential and stay home and got paid. paid. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. And there are people who have their own businesses who are like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so again, it's, it's, it's selfishness being played out in a big, um, uh, like uh, I, for, for everyone. And it's just like, oh, well just you know it's the libertarian why why don't get a loan yeah just borrow money from your parents like <laughs> getting like duh, duh. <laughs> like and it's just like that doesn't work for everyone you're like oh well that must suck like and i think that the like the the people hearing the sense of like hey this what about me it's just like there's a moment where it's just like well in a big scheme we don't really care that much. And it's interesting too, because it went the opposite direction uh, as we got towards the tail end of, uh, as people started to get vaccines mm-hmm. right before that, right, where uh, restaurant workers were being uh, put back to work and put in a position where they may or may not have actually wanted to be. And then it was yeah. like, well, now you actually aren't essential. We're right. gonna, we want to keep this business moving and mm-hmm. we're going to do it at your cost, whether right. or not you, you can afford to or not. Well, right. This was a common thing. Whether it, This isn't just some uh, Republican talking point, but this was a problem with people having inflated unemployment during COVID, oh, yeah. coming back to work. There weren't a lot of people that wanted to go back to work and they could state, I think I'm in danger. They could state, no matter how safe the circumstances were, mm-hmm. there is, there's a, a prevalence of people who just wanted to stay home and make money. And that, that there's like, ah, shit. I had belief that UBI was probably a good thing and this kind of fucking showed that it really isn't. Like it probably is not applicable. Well, and I wish that it was. And well, the difference with that, though, with UBI, I would say, is I had friends who they they had good workers who like if I invite them to come back, they're going to I can't pay them that and they'll make less money. Yeah, and so like and the good people would probably say yes if I told them that I needed them and that would destroy our like that would be a, a hard pill to swallow for our relationship moving forward. Right, like that would be a breach of trust to ask someone to make less money. Yeah, by doing more work. Now, if you like a true UBI system, where just like, no, no, this is how much. If you could make six hundred dollars a week staying home, yeah. and then also go to the restaurant and work, and this is where I think like UBI, if it was in place before the pandemic started, uh-huh. we would have been totally fine. Because well, then, then there could have been requirements. Hey, you need to stay home because you're because accepting you're this pay- sucking yeah. the government teat <laughs> yeah. already, yeah. and we need to cover our ass, and we need to not kill all our taxpayers. So you need to mm. do what you're fucking told. Well. Like, because again, I think, because think about the amount of leverage as a politician that you could have, mm-hmm. or as a political movement that you mm-hmm. could have if you just started giving people money instead of taking it. Well, you t- <laughs> you take no, no, it no, too, no, you right? Take with the right, give back with the left, and then yeah. print hand with your ass. <laughs> just print money <laughs> oh, with your ass. No, you, take no, it just you don't even have to. It just comes out. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> I'm just shitting money because yeah. how do you do that? I'm a politician. Yeah, because because <laughs> we because uh, you know 
paper. It's a high fiber diet. (laughs) It doesn't feel as bad to pass as gold nuggets do. (laughs) That's why we got away from the gold standard. Exactly. It's just too hard to. It's too hard well, to ship money when it's gold. Like with, with the restaurants, because like I, I have friends who work in the restaurant industry and who own restaurants. And it's just like, it's like there's one, her daughter was, I think she worked at two places and we would do three shifts in a day sometimes because mm-hmm. they didn't have enough workers. Yeah. And then like there were stories of like some places that started having COVID outbreaks quietly and trying to hide it. And she ended up leaving one of the jobs. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, she kept her other ones. But sure. like, um, and again, it's that, it's the type of person who's going to work. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's so problematic because like the, I feel like so many of the restaurant workers are going back to work when they started getting kicked off their unemployment or when their unemployment wasn't covering enough. And so again, it's this weird, like, like the incentive is like, it, it, it's just, you you're responding to these incentives and the, the people directing the incentives, their incentive is to get reelected. And so their incentive doesn't necessarily match up with like, it doesn't have to be right for me to get reelected. It just, in the end, everybody has personal interests. Right. Right. And we call like, Oh, there's this, this idea of sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, you need to sacrifice for it. Well, let me like, and this, maybe this is a conservative fucking point, but it's going in kind of a different direction. If like, what if the only way to vaccinate or the only way to like survive this pandemic was that if the you know healthiest 30% or let's just call it the healthiest 10% of our population had to give blood or give something donate to the unhealthy 90% but it meant that the 10% would come down to match the unhealthiness of everybody else so everybody across the board is equal now that the 10% healthiest people take care of themselves, exercise, get sunlight, eat a certain way, sleep enough, have good relationships, you got all that stuff, their life would become a little bit more poorer. Would it be worth it to help the 90% live? Permanently? Permanently. Like, like no, like as yeah. in like the, the, ten, the yeah, 10%. Yeah, like you drop, once you drop, you donate, what, 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 let's call it bone marrow or something right. that you can't regrow fast or you mm-hmm. can't reproduce or whatever the thing is. Would it be philanthropy to do that? Would to require, well, first of all, if you make people sacrifice, that's not that's making. That's not a sacrifice. That, that's, that's ins- well, it could be. So this is a really interesting point in learning <laughs> Hungarian. So <laughs> we had a little joke going because I'm trying to learn like, pronouns and there's like a he she and then there's really nothing else mm-hmm. so you can't really have that conversation in hungarian like that's not it's not a hung it's not a conversation about anything going on gender specificity in hungary you could blame it on um eastern european outdated whatever but really their language doesn't support it so i made a joke by saying well you have he she and then there's victim and my Hungarian teacher was like, I don't know the word for that. I've never used that word before. And then so I looked it up. It's um, uh, uh, Altzani, Altzano, Altazani, Altazani, or Altazano, Altazana, something like that. Mm. And he goes, oh my God, that's fascinating. And I go, why? Because the first part of the word, so Hungarian language, how it's broken up, each word 
is kind of compressed together and it means like multiple different things, but they're all root to each other. So it's like a subtext language. So each word has like 14 to 17 variations to show it's an association, it's infinitive, it's definitive, mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, uh, it's verbalization, and then also it's relation to another person as opposed to being a gender specific language. So it has like this really complex structure that allows it more variations than almost any other language other than Finnish. Um, and this word, he goes, well, Altazani is blessing, right? Mm -hmm. And I go, oh, that's weird. What, like, why is that? And he's like, well, if you do the def uh, the, the definitive, it's actually the sacrifice, right? which means the prey. Like victim means prey. Mm. And so therefore, victor means one who chews. Mm. <laughs> like, it's predator. The victor is the predator mm -hmm. and the sacrifice is the prey. But to bless something is the same root word as to sacrifice it, to get rid of it, and then eventually to eat it. It was like this whole language, like it makes you look at how we use language and what we assign to certain people in kind of a different way. And so it's just like a funny, I sat there, it was like kind of mind blowing to see like, man, we, we don't break things down and, and get to the root of what we mean for certain things. And so it's just like, Every little lesson is pretty interesting because learning a language as like a grown ass fucking almost 40 year old is a completely different thing. You apply what your in your interest into the language so you learn it a different way, a more meaningful way mm -hmm. than if you learn it as a child when you're just told to remember X, Y, and Z. You never really remember why something is the way it is unless you go on later when you have like cognitive function to understand root language and etymology. There's there's certain languages that um, I forget the name of the tense, but where it's uh, not easy to talk about alternative pasts. Um, the story was a, it was a guy who um, he was a child. They got him out of Vietnam. He they were putting him on a bus and he had a full on temper tantrum. And so they got him off the bus and so his family could calm him down. And as the bus drove away, it got blown up. Oh, shit. And they Jesus got on the next bus and they got out. Mm -hmm. And so like as an adult, he was talking to, I think it was his aunt perhaps, mm -hmm. but she didn't speak uh, English. And so he's trying to talk to her about like, man, what, what do you think would have happened if we would have gotten on that first bus? Like if things were different and he couldn't talk to her about it because he, the, the language didn't allow that construction of like what did it what if it would have rained like oh right yeah yeah like uh, alternate okay interesting and so she's like oh, what do you mean he's like i think about it all the time and she's like i've never thought about it because her language doesn't allow the her language to think that does way. not well or if it does it's it's just clumsier and well, our abstract. language is so easy to be like what if what if i would have done that differently what if i would have stayed with that person what if i would have change this way what if i would have gone to that school it's and, ruminating yeah yeah and like our language is real good at letting us sit around and, and graze on low nutrient fucking yeah thoughts yeah so th this is kind of the uh, in when we were in peru um aaron we went and ate somewhere and we were like learning spanish at the time so like we were in the the car with a bunch of people who spoke spanish and so we we're like pointing at things they're teaching us we're laughing about like w what to say she's like oh my god i'm so full i feel so fat 
She's like, I, I ate so much. I feel so fat. How do you say that in Spanish? And I was like, I don't know, something, something gordita or like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> little fatty. I don't yeah. know. Like, and someone is like, they, they legitimately were like, you can't say that in Spanish. You can't re- like, you can't relate a feeling to not being accurate or tr- true. Mm. You just, you state your state. I am fat, right, yeah. not right. I feel this way. Right. And I was like, oh, that's a fucking nightmare well, for like associations for you know, all pronoun. of the current yeah. and uh, like generation, let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and I mean, you were talking about the how many of the, the Manhattan Project scientists were Hungarian yeah. because of the, the structure of the language. And like, that's something that's always interested me in the sense of like, the the framework of our thought processes is the words we use mm-hmm. and the words we use are are good better at some things and worse at other things and it's it's almost like we're it's the invisible framework that allows us to have certain thoughts or encourages mm-hmm. certain certain thoughts or certain ways of tying ideas together yeah and it's like it it's it's the it shapes the things mm-hmm. and we we take it for granted. Oh, it's how you see the world mm-hmm. is through like how you learn to verbalize and describe the world. And I think inherently our language, although it's an accumulation of a bunch of different, you know, uh, core languages, right, right. it does a really poor job because it has no like really good structure to it. Well, I think I think we do a really poor there job. There we go. I was waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, because I think the language is there. I think it's just a tool like any other. Where so I don't some think people that are... it is there. Oh. Well, I, I, I have to disagree. I just think that it it's uh it's been around for so long. It's just like a it's like any tool where you have to know how to wield it. I, I I'm so and here's this is where I like so you you could say yes. I'm just like don't know how to use our language correctly. But there's some like core things that just aren't there. Like how English translates into mathematics makes us just universally like inept at mathematics it has nothing to do with our inability to process mathematics it has to do with our ability to describe the function of mathematics in in that sense like we were talking about it before with mm-hmm. with training it's like sometimes yeah. it, the like being knowing is knowing when to put the tool down and pick up a different tool right and so at a certain like point, like it's, a lot. it's just like, oh, this isn't the right tool, so we're going to switch. And maybe that's right. the language thing where it's, it's, it's the user, not the tool, where if, yeah. if, if English isn't what you need, then... We're going to talk about this in, in Mandarin. Hello. I, mean, that, no, I that, love that, that. That really has that. become like a big driving force to like learn a language in a country that I don't live. Mm-hmm. And there's very few people that fucking speak Hungarian in mm-hmm. Utah. I brought like... There's not very many of them. I probably know like the majority of them. And it's like, it's a, but when you start seeing what this language is able to do, you're like, man, that's really fascinating to be able to look at the world like that and describe it to another Mm. person. You're like, it's going to help do something. I don't know what that is. Furthermore, that book that you need to read still, uh, Mm. Lisa Feldman Barrett. The feelings one? Yeah. 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 The secret lives of emotion, I think is what it's called. Like one of the things that she discusses as being a really important habit is to granulate your emotions and to use language and feeling. Mm. And so it's just like, okay, what is the difference between sad and somber? Like, how yeah. are you feeling? Like, be more specific. 
yeah. be more specific than that. This is what Mark was saying the other day uh, with Kenton because Kenton was like, oh, I'm very happy to be here. He's like, I need to stop doing that. I am happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Like the accentuation of something right. doesn't now, necessarily make that, it more Yeah, because so. is that very yeah. with an exclamation point? Right. Or right. is it, I'm very happy to be here? Uh, like, yeah. is... Well, or is even happy the word? Can yeah. You, can you, yeah. Can you well, do better than that? Ex- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. E- exactly. And then and and speaking in ways where, um, oh, I think this is what this person needs to hear. Or mm. I'm 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 not saying what I mean. I'm saying something to fit in or to mm. to to smooth this over or to at least try and communicate this feeling, even if I'm gonna you know, um, but I, but I, I do. Not everything needs an adverb, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and <laughs> Stephen Stephen King would agree with you. Oh, like, that could be so, a shirt. That's oh, so good. But also, like back to like language creating feeling. Mm-hmm. The the way that she was explaining emotions is she's like, your brain is a machine um, that it just budgets. It budgets your body in order to get, you know, food, sex, sleep. Like just the essentials, mm-hmm. and you're and like you respond to it, it's an interpreter, and so you respond to these signals, and your body gives it emotional names as a shortcut to prep you for what it thinks is coming. Um, and sometimes it, it gets it right a lot, mm-hmm. and sometimes it gets it wrong. Uh, and so her her funny story about it was that um, she went on a date with a guy that she wasn't really into, but she went anyway because she agreed. She's sitting there and she's getting butterflies in her stomach while they're having dinner. And she's like, maybe, maybe I do feel something. Maybe this is a connection. Or maybe she goes home truffle. and pukes her guts out. Uh, she was, she had the flu. Um, and <laughs> what's this feeling? Blah. <laughs> yeah. Is this, is this love? Is it, <laughs> it is. That's what she did. Miss it. yep. It's a perfect sign of love. Um, yeah. And, and essentially like her body had expectations because she's out at dinner with this new person. And so it's reading her her feedback loops and it's like, oh, we have these sensations, which if we're in a romantic dinner, that's what this means. If she was sitting alone at the toilet, it would have meant something else when she had those feelings. <laughs> it would have meant don't stand up just, <laughs> just yet. <Not> yet. <laughs> um, and, and so one of the things that she talks about is getting better, more sensitive at interpreting yeah. your body's feedback loops is to have that conversation with yourself of like what is what am i feeling right now it's like no be more specific than that why how is it different than something that you've had that's close to this right like yeah it's i'm happy to see you but like it's also kind of like i feel bad that i didn't reach out to you as much so it's not like there's a little bit of shame into this and like to to be honest with like what you're feeling because it's going to allow your body to be like oh i have a new box now uh this this word now carries these other connotations. So back to what you were saying about Hungarian having all these these connections, is it that the English language already has connections for you, and so you close off possible connections because you're like, oh, that's not what that word means because there's this other word or there's this other word versus like... I gotta go unlock a door. Oh, nice. Versus having like this this larger idea of like what things could be Mm. and i think uh in addition to sensitivity i think one of the things that uh you're making me think of is uh, is patience right so we don't have a lot of patience these days uh as far and i 
uh, when it comes to the language, I typically, I'm really slow. I, mm. I try to slow down mm -hmm. and I'm sure it's really annoying to a lot of people that are having conversations with me, but I have a lot of respect for people that are able to speak really quickly, mm -hmm. eloquently, mm -hmm. and d drive a point home very fast without, it's just, it's, it's like firing so mm -hmm. quickly. And I think uh, it's, well, it's like a form of athleticism. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. It's amazing to see someone do it. Yeah, it's kind. Of, do you know what's kind of funny? It's like uh, if you listen to Sam Harris speak, you'll fall asleep. But he is very fast. He's just like it's kind of he's slow as smooth, smooth as fast, mm -hmm. right? Like he has this lexicon that is kind of unreal. But he speaks in such a methodical because that's how his brain is pulling these things. And if you kind of think of what he's saying on the fly, he's writing like a novel that it, like doesn't need to be edited which is kind of crazy to me. But his tempo for actually speaking is so fucking low <laughs> and slow and methodical that you have to like speed it up to be able to tolerate it. I, so it's that's Russell weird. Brand, I think, to me. Russell, oh, Russell Brand is, uh, if you've ever listened to yeah, him speak, uh -huh. yeah. it, it's just a waterfall of, yeah. of vocabulary. Yeah. And it seems like, it seems effortless to him. Yeah, it's like Duncan Trussell is the same way in mm. like a comedic fashion. Uh, in, a, in a funny, creative fashion, his his use of language is so creative because he is so creative. And to listen to him, like, where are these fuck? What are you reading? And like, put what's your environment where mm -hmm. you can think of the things that you're thinking of? Like, obviously, Sam Harris is kind of dull. Like, I love the guy, but he is like dull to the point where it sounds like he just reads a thesaurus for dinner. Like he's it's like consuming words for and a meal, scrolling his right. Russell list. Brand, I think, is a really good example of somebody who is trying to use words to describe the world that they find so fascinating, and that's why I think he's pleasurable to listen to. And it sounds like Duncan Trussell is like masturbating with the dictionary. Mm -hmm. You're like, it's like just so like kind of gross and like, oh, it's raw. <laughs> but also I'm going to watch it because it's a train wreck. An another person uh, <laughs> who, if we're talking about now tempo and volume and, and things like that, uh, John Danaher. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. To listen yeah. to him speak, you know everything is, you better be Specific, listening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it also... It's very monotone, very mm -hmm. slow. Never, never picks yep. up or down or anything like that. Um, mm. That's another one that's I find hard to. I, I also wonder what the difference is parsing the difference between somebody who is teaching and then somebody who is talking. Right, like somebody who's having a conversation to interact with. Do they actually change, or do they do they stay the same all the time? Because that's how they learn to communicate. And how much are they listening? Yeah. I don't know any of the people that we just mentioned. I don't actually, I'd be curious to see how well they listen. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. Because yeah. that is a hard, that's a different thing. I've tried to challenge mine a little bit because I have a hard time listening. Like, audit, like, I don't have a good auditory response. I don't like retain a lot of information auditorily, which is why music is like kind of a, a teaching mechanism for mm -hmm. me. Um, but somebody gave me a, a while ago about crossing. So I always look my right eye. I look into somebody else's right eye. And they said, actually, the trick is when you're speaking to somebody, use that. And when you're listening, look at their other eye. 
with your left eye. Right. So you cross paths and it will change the connection to like how you're receiving information because you're so used to looking in one and directing your voice. And if you don't switch it, you're not, your brain is still on the same train as like saying like I'm giving information right. as opposed to listening. So I've tried that when I'm conscious of it, it really does change how I receive something funny enough. I feel like the two of you guys would really enjoy this practice that I'm going to mention. I, I love doing it. Um, I may is have soul gazing. Please I, tell me it's not soul gazing. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, if you're having a conversation with someone, um, shut down all of your responses. So mm. don't nod, don't shift, don't, mm -hmm, yeah, nothing. Give them no um, recognition of their expression towards you, and watch what happens. They'll keep going. They'll never stop. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've it's, definitely caught myself that. Yeah training people and been like you're not responding anymore should i stop talking like it's, it's amazing if you just yeah. let them just just be still that's an interview uh, like an uh, interrogation technique actually. oh really yeah it's like uh, I, I forgot what they call it, but it's like the extra <laughs> so pause so i should stop doing it in my everyday conversations <laughs> no i think it's a great technique the, the other the, so there's this is really so i've been learning obviously about language and some other techniques having to do with like coaching and connecting your language to be a little bit more powerful without the like Tony Robbins bullshit where you're like emphasizing <laughs> yeah. or you're playing off of human emotions like like real techniques to like connect with people and one of them uh, was really interesting is like the kind of question you ask to get into a subject and I, apparently they've studied this extensively uh, from like leadership point of view of like what's the best way to engage with a serious conversation that cuts out all the bullshit and, and I've used it and actually does really work. The question is, what's on your mind? Because it's totally neutral. And somebody doesn't feel, so if I go, hey, so what about this deal? Suddenly you're being interrogated right, and you right, change right. kind of your reaction to be more defensive mm -hmm. posture. But if you go, hey, what's on your mind? We both know what we're both thinking about. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you might need a second. And then, you know, you talk about something. It's like, is there anything else? And then they'll they'll go into what you guys need to talk about in a very honest and open, neutral way, which is the hardest thing to do. I, I dove into, you mentioned the word interrogation, and I, I dove into watching interrogations and, oh, yeah. and having them uh, critiqued because it's a whole, it's a yeah. whole school. It's conflict communication. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to watch someone do it well, mm -hmm. talk about harnessing the language so i i, I and, and being able to read language uh, body language yeah that, that's the hard part to do it's like the body language part is such a feature of it so mirroring somebody to make them feel at ease the other thing is really interesting is that it's cultural specific right so like in america we're taught th this was in the conflict communication book um uh, that we went over like a couple years ago a friend uh, an interrogator brought this to me he's like you should read this this is really good and one of the sections in there is about cultural identification understanding that if you're in america and you raise your voice like getting calm is sometimes the best way to calm them mm -hmm. right this is what like cops go yeah. sir like blah yeah, yeah, they're yeah. very stern but they're very calm and they speak very directly and slowly they should or they or they pull their or yeah. or you know they just shoot the motherfucker because that's one way to communicate <laughs> uh, they the uh, but if you're in like some sort of uh latin based language when when somebody raises their voice and you don't match them if you if you lower your voice and get very calm it's disrespectful 
because you're saying you're not worth, I'm not going to come to your level. You're not worth it. Mm-hmm. And that, I thought that was, so we learned that because working with like baseball teams and stuff, a lot of them are Latin based languages or cultures. And you had to like, when they get hot and heavy, you have to match them and you have to know when to do it. Right. Someone raises their voice, you get hot and heavy too, but not in a disrespectful manner. It's actually very respectful. Mm-hmm. I'm taking you seriously right, right, right now right. too. And you're like, it's a really hard practice because if it's not your culture, right. you don't, you're yeah. like faking it. Yeah. And it feels fake. <laughs> it's a really strange thing. So I, th- those kind of things I think are super, f- fuck, they're, they're fascinating. They're not uh, w- super fascinating. <laughs> nice. One of the things that I found uh, quite interesting was uh, the positioning in the room. So every, one that everyone sort of knows is uh, if you're in an interrogation room, the there's only one way in and out. Right. Right. So it's pretty similar to this room. Yeah. You block the door and something. Right. And yeah. so while we all instinctually know what that means for instance our position now is mm-hmm. you me the door mm-hmm. and so if you're in an interrogation setting what i'm physically saying is for you to exit the door you have to go through me right which is a, i think just an amazing subconscious thing huh? you're not you know it yeah everyone knew that before i mentioned it right but still, it's like it's very deep in in, yeah. in each of us. It's that's and sometimes I think the bigger thing is to like avoid things that like wrong signals. Like if you can pick up what the wrong signal is, because no one will be aware of it. But when somebody reacts poorly to a situation, you kind of want to try to understand why did they react poorly. Like if you have to have a hard con- like how I think that's an important thing. How, what is the scenario in which you can have hard conversation? We know that it's not over the internet staring at a screen because yeah. nobody has good interactions that way. And you try to think about, well, what scenario did we learn to talk like that? And it's like, it's almost always arguing, mm-hmm. right? It's almost always like, whether it's a chat room with a bunch of people that you actually associate with, you're arguing ideas on a specific culture or thing that you're into. And you're arguing like, you know, the relevance or uh, the effectiveness of your thing that you know about. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to everything, that's how we kind of approach it on the internet. Uh, I can't think of like, it's rare that you go to the internet for good laughs and good times. Like Like it is, but it's like, it's a video and you're just like receiving it. You're just consuming it. And it's rare that you're like interacting back and forth with somebody. And I think this is like, one of the just how the internet works is inherently against how we communicate naturally there's no body language involved mm-hmm. inflection is really hard to pick up right. people are not educated well on how to like correct like grammatically but also how to punctuate something so that you read like take out a couple commas somebody's saying something totally fucking different right and when right. people are hot and heavy you're like they're going to go harder and harder without realizing the importance of their structure of their words oh shit blowing up got somebody from illinois calling me it's probably a telemarketer yeah he doesn't they don't know how to communicate so i don't talk to I thought that was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a robot anyway so it for sure is a robot <laughs> hey fuck you robot <laughs> fuck you robot fuck you <laughs> asking a question yeah i'm here you're like oh jesus it's super weird oh should we wrap it that was our half and that was supposed to be our short one. Oh, sorry for good. sorry that for crashing one. no thanks for crashing Man, it was good to walk in the door and see your face. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't expect yeah. that one. No. Hey, that was no, really cool. Great. I'm glad you popped in. Yep. And I'm glad you're here. We're going to get to the symposium thing. So we'll have fun this weekend. And then we'll come back here and talk about how shitty it was. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs>